RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top stories. A pro-government lawmaker says it's time for a cabinet shake-up. Singer Denise Ho will address the UN's human rights body on Beijing's growing influence in Hong Kong. And Southern California trembles again with another major earthquake. Pro-government lawmaker Paul Tse says Chief Executive Carrie Lam should show she is serious about soothing public anger over the extradition saga by firing some members of her cabinet. He didn't specify who should be dismissed or comment on whether Mrs Lam should step down. Mr Tse says a reshuffle of ministers or the Executive Council won't please everyone, but he believes public discontent will flare up again if the administration fails to act. It's but normal, common practice everywhere that whenever it's a very important, significant events or errors made by the government, they would normally just do some reshuffling to make sure that people would accept that there is some sincere gesture to try to amend the situation, to try to do something new, to present another facet of the government so that people would ease off their anger. So I really thought perhaps there's one way to sort of resolve the uh, present crisis. Executive Council member Fanny Law says she believes the Chief Executive's office will consider conditions set by student unions for them to meet Carrie Lam for talks on the extradition saga. Student leaders from the Chinese University and the University of Science and Technology said they would only meet Mrs Lam if she agreed to drop charges against people involved in recent protests and to hold the discussion in public. Mrs Law said it would be difficult to agree to those terms. I do appeal to our young people that they should seize this opportunity to meet with the chief executive directly. As to the two preconditions, I'm sure the chief executive's office is considering. On one of the conditions about not prosecuting, I think even the legal sector would object. And they have already voiced their objection because Hong Kong is a place that upholds and prides on its rule of law. Whether it should be an open meeting, I think this is something which the chief executive office will have to consider. Mrs Law also defended the inclusion of liberal studies in the school curriculum. Some pro-establishment figures, including former Chief Executive Tung Chi Hua, had linked the introduction of compulsory liberal studies classes in 2009 to rising youth discontent. Mrs Law, a former, former education official, said the subject taught important skills, even if there were problems that might require adjustment. The whole purpose of liberal studies is to instill in our young people independent thinking and also to develop the skills of collecting views and information and data from various sources so that they can analyze and decide for themselves. And this type of skills is important for lifelong learning in an increasingly complex environment. If we did not have the liberal studies, what would happen is in the post-truth era where there is so much misinformation in the social media, some of our young people might even have been misled. Singer and activist Denise Ho will address the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva next week to raise concerns about recent events in Hong Kong. She's been invited to take part by two NGOs, UN Watch and the Human Rights Foundation. As well as discussing the SAR's now suspended extradition bill, Ms Ho says she will raise the matter of Beijing's growing influence around the world. The chairman of the Legislative Council's Finance Committee, Chan Kin Por, says his committee will probably have to wait until the new legislative year begins in October before vetting a backlog of funding requests. It had been due to consider more than 40 items before the summer break, including hospital expansion and pay rises for civil servants. But Mr Chan says it has nowhere to meet after protesters stormed the LegCo building on Monday. Basically, it is not safe for everyone, for the legal member, for the public, for the government official, for the staff there. 
So unless we can resolve that problem, I think I think it is not reasonable or, or even fit at all to have the meeting there. I think the best scenario is we wait for October and then we increase the number of hours for meeting substantially so then we can tear up all these outstanding items. Mr Chan said repairing LegCo would cost as much as $70 million. But Democratic Party lawmaker James Toe says he sees no reason why the committee can't meet in LegCo rooms that remained relatively unscathed. Unless you have a certain other motives for not wanting to have uh, meetings uh, physically. Otherwise, it's normal. We have a room, so we do it. And if those items we believe is not controversial, then why worry about uh, safety, security? Turning overseas, and Southern California has been struck by another earthquake. Initial reports say it was a magnitude 6.9 tremor, even bigger than the magnitude 6.4 quake 24 hours earlier. Reports say the effects could be felt as far away as Las Vegas. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. There have been calls on social media for the cancellation of a reality television show after a South Korean actress taking part caught three endangered giant clams in a national marine park in Thailand. Lee Yol-yum, a contestant on the survival activity show The Law of the Jungle, is facing a charge of violating Thai wildlife laws which forbid hunting, catching or cooking sea resources in the national park. President Trump says he may issue an executive order to add a controversial question to next year's, uh, next year's census, asking whether people are US citizens. But his opponents say the measure is party political, as the census is also used as a basis for allocating seats in Congress and federal services. The Supreme Court last week ruled against the plan, but Mr Trump says the question is needed to find out the number of foreign nationals in the United States. We're spending 15 to 20 billion dollars on a census. We're doing everything. We're finding out everything about everybody. Think of it. 15 to 20 billion dollars and you're not allowed to ask them, are you a citizen? And by the way, if you look at the history of our country, it's almost always been asked. A statue of the American First Lady, Melania Trump, has been unveiled outside her Slovenian hometown, Sevenica, to very mixed reviews. The life-size statue was carved out of a tree trunk with a chainsaw. The BBC's Guy Delaunay reports from the capital, Ljubljana. The town of Sevenica is generally proud that it can claim Melania Trump as one of its own, but it sometimes has a funny way of showing it. Local artisans have marketed a variety of goods labelled First Lady, so perhaps the wooden statue on the banks of the River Sava should be taken in that spirit. It depicts the former fashion model in a bold blue dress and matching boots, but her figure is lumpen rather than elegant. Her bean-shaped face sports a distinctly disgruntled expression. U.S. artist Brad Downey said he was inspired by the mythical figure Echo, who was punished for concealing Zeus's infidelity. Sport now, and in tennis, 15-year-old Cory Goff made headlines again by saving two match points to beat Slovenian Polona Herzog to reach the last 16 at Wimbledon. With more on that and the rest of the games, here's the BBC's Chris Dennis. If Cory Goff didn't believe in fairy tales when she was a really little girl, I bet she does now. The 15-year-old must be in dreamland here this week. On her first appearance on Wimbledon's famous centre court, Goff came from a set and two match points down to beat the Slovenian Polona Herzog and becomes the youngest player to reach the fourth round here since Jennifer Capriati in 1991. 
Goff will now play Simona Halep, who won the battle of the former world number ones with Victoria Azarenka. A third world number one, Karolina Pliskova, made it through, but a fourth, Karolina Wozniacki, blew a four-love lead to lose in straight sets to China's Jiang Shui. In the men's draw, Djokovic was given his toughest test yet by the brilliant Pole Hubert Hurgatz, whose ball striking and athleticism was Becker-esque at times and caused the Serb real problems for two sets. But the Pole tired, Djokovic found another gear and wrapped up the match in four. So Djokovic survives, but two more big names didn't. Last year's runner-up Kevin Anderson is out, beaten by the Argentine Guido Peya, as is the Russian Karen Hashanov, which means that five of the top ten men's seeds have failed to reach the second week. In football, the agent for Manchester United's French World Cup winning midfielder Paul Pogba says the player wants to leave the club. With the details, here's the BBC's Shoujo Saka. Paul Pogba's future at Manchester United has been the subject of intense speculation for months. In June, Pogba said that it could be a good time to find a new challenge. Now his agent Mino Raiola has told the Times newspaper in England that everyone knows the willingness of the player to move on. They're in the process of that. Everyone knows what Pogba's feelings are. Everyone within the club, from the manager to the owner, knows his wishes. Well, the 26-year-old France international has been absent from pre-season training this week, adding to to speculation about his long-term future at United. Minos Benin have made it to the last eight of the Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt, beating Morocco on penalties after a one-all draw. They will now take on Senegal, who beat Uganda 1-0 in the night's other game. Senegal midfielder Idrissa Gay praised Benin. Benin is the strong team. They play with their quality and they win against Morocco. We will play against them for the next game. Every game for us is, is a final and we will prepare it very well and recover very well to try to win the game. And to end the news, the top stories once again. A pro-government lawmaker says it's time for a cabinet shake-up. Singer Denise Ho will address the UN's human rights body on Beijing's growing influence in Hong Kong. And Southern California trembles again with another major earthquake. The news from RTHK. 5, 6, 7 a.m. Radio 3. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, with you till 3 p.m. This week we have a super special show on offer. The entire program is devoted to the interviews I had with artists and their songs from the Americas, North and South, Europe and Africa. They all performed at this year's 31st Francophonie de Montréal International Music Festival. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian. And as I said, this entire show is devoted to the interviews I had with international artists that performed at this year's Francophonie de Montréal Festival. That's the Francophonie of Montreal in Quebec, Canada, 31st edition, and with artists from Europe to South America, Africa, and of course Quebec, which is how I start with. And a very tongue-in-cheek band called the Marmotte Aplatie, which would translate as the Flattened Groundhogs. They were mostly active from 1994 to 2004 when they split up for the first time and they reunited various times, including this year for the festival. So before I start with the interview, I'll just play the song that brought them to huge fame in the 90s, simply called Détruire, yes, Destroy, they're the do-it-yourself punk band of the 90s in Quebec. <laughs> 